Yeehaw! Y'all want a date with an international model? Well, Hillbilly Horror Show is going to make it happen. Holy! That's right, we're having ourselves a contest, and the winner gets an all-expense-paid trip to Hollywood and a date with international swimsuit model and star of Hillbilly Horror Show actress Rachel Faulkner. You are going to make some guy so happy. Head on over to hillbillyhorrorshow.com for details, and be sure to catch Hillbilly Horror Show Volume 2 on DVD, February 17th. Hello everyone, this is Scott Guider, a.k.a. Gruesome Herzog, and the character of Cephas from the Hillbilly Horror Show. My guest today is director Drew Rosas. He was responsible for the film Blood Junkie, and also for the film Billy Club, with co-director Nick Sommer. The reason why I have you on here is, you did a film back in 2010 called Blood Junkie. So what are we doing this weekend? We are going to get loaded and laid. How much booze does $35 buy? A shitload? That's a lot of alcohol. Hey, ladies, wait up. You like to party? Why? Do boys know a place where we can party? As long as you ladies like camping. It's great. Oh, yeah. We just love camping. Righteous. I'll give you five bucks if you go camping with us this weekend and don't tell mom and dad. Ready to ride or what? I can't believe I let you talk me into this trip. Grandfather used to live not far from here. I remember him telling me once about the accident at the old chemical plant. Oh. Hey, where the hell is Rachel? It's one of those crappy old buildings. Building? What building? Yo, Craig, check this shit out. Junkies, man. Junkies. Something went down here, Craig. Something bad. You know who did this? Junkies. Come out, come out, wherever you are! Hello? And then your newest one is Billy Club in 2013, which I absolutely fucking loved, both of them. But, Drew, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back a couple years to Blood Junkie. That sounds good. Take Um, us back. Take it back, baby. Blood Junkie is one of these films that, you know, a lot of people uh, are are saying it's a trauma film, which trauma took over it afterwards, okay? And I know it's it's a nice way to get your film out there to be sold everywhere, but of course, obviously, before Blood Junkie, I mean, when Blood Junkie was first made, it was just your film, right? Well, actually, it originally had a different title. It was called Rocky Trails. Okay, I thought so. And I switched the title when we teamed it with Trauma. They didn't pick the title. I picked the new title also. All right. Oh, nice. We got we got to pick it out and um, but you know it's one of those things where we made the film on our own. We just did it completely for fun and we made the whole thing for I think it was like seven grand and then I think I spent another grand on hard drives just in post production. But other than that, we just did all the work ourselves for free, so it didn't cost us that much of any money. Well, you know I I, I can say this: Blood Junkie had so much of an '80s throwback that. I love it when films are made today. Uh, you know, being that I'm born in 68, so I grew up 
through the late 70s and the 80s, and I grew up with all the 80s cheese horror films. And I, when I say cheese, that's cheese in a good way. I love the 80s stuff. And when I can find a film that, I mean, let's be honest, any filmmaker today, uh, when they make a film and they don't have a a big budget, like $7,000 might be a lot of money for Tom, Dick, and Harry, who doesn't even do films. But for a budget to be that low, and usually what happens is, you know yourself, Drew and Nick, that for a budget that low, you're going to have to try and throw some humor in there to offset the corniness. Because, I mean, you... you you can't make a film serious with a $7,000 budget unless you have the overglowing talent, you know what I mean, or, or a storyline that you can... You're on seven grand. You got it. So you have to find that nice balance of you know, how can you uh, augment some comedy and other things to sort of make sure that you're not sitting there all year trying to perfect each shot because if you're getting the right. mentality... You're just never going to get it done. So, like, the only way we were going to do it, and keep in mind, when we set out to make that, we weren't even sure if we could pull off a feature. We never tried one. Can oh. we do this? I don't know. Let's try it. And so the main goal was to keep it really fun and funny so that everyone wanted to keep showing up on set for free. It's also a dangerous awesome. game when you're trying to extend something shorter into a feature. Normally, when you're making independent movies, you want to take something longer and crush it down. Right. Yeah, we discussed a lot of stuff, and some of the scenes we added, I mean, you've seen it, ridiculous, yep. but we hoped they were ridiculous in a fun way where you'd still continue watching to the next scene. Well, see, again, Nick, that's the reason why I liked Blood Junkie. It's because, I, I mean, Blood Junkie, when I went in to watch this film, I loved it right from the start. It's not because of trauma. Trauma puts out a lot of garbage. No offense, they do. <laughs> oh, I know. And they have some good stuff, too. You know, like Clown Camp Massacre, Blood Junkie. You know, I mean, they have some good ones, you know. But when I started watching this, I'm thinking, dude, I love this, the woods. I love the factory. I love the 80s throwback. I love the zingy. I love the zang. I love the goofiness. I love all that stuff. And that's what makes a film very powerful for me to watch. If I can really get into it and knowing, and knowing that it's not going to be no fucking masterpiece or Academy Award winner, that's the key thing. You have to understand what you are watching. And being a reviewer for the last five years and other sites like Horror Society and HorrorMovies.ua, they understand what independent films are. So you're going to get an accurate review. You know what I mean? So that's just the way it is. But Blood Junkie, I loved. I mean, I love the character, the weirdness of it. The, the, I mean, I, I can go on and on and on about it, but you guys did a damn good job for your first full hey, feature. Thanks a lot. You know, it's about making the film sort of self-aware of its own limitations and its own sense of humor. Did you guys realize what this weekend is? It's the 15-year anniversary. I can't believe it's been that long. It was an accident. Throw it, throw it, what started as a missing persons report has been transformed into a possible murder homicide. He's back. He's out. Someone's gonna die here. Ah! But I didn't do anything. Exactly. You didn't. You! Anything! Ah! Ah! 
the next film that uh, that I just seen some uh, on your on uh, Billy Club Facebook page. I've been seeing some people's reviews and stuff. And honestly, I didn't even hear this film up until recently. And, I, and I'm thinking, son of a bitch, this looks interesting as hell. So I went in, got it, whatever, and watched it and did a review. But before I watched it, I realized that Drew Rosas is the man behind Blood Junkie. So I knew what I'm getting myself into, if you, if you, if you understand what I'm saying by that, because I already like your work in Blood Junkie. Now that I know that it's your first feature and the budget was low, now I'm really impressed by Billy Club for your second attempt. And, of course, Nicky Boy there um, played an amazing off-the-wall. The whole cast in Billy, Billy Club, I thought, was brilliant. I mean, they, they, they have this chemistry. They have this throwback. You have these five friends that are, you know, talking about two, um, two, two uh, base young you know, teammates and, and the coach getting killed and stuff, and it bounces here, bounces there. Then you have some strange guy that breaks into the house, basically, and you didn't know exactly who the hell he was. You have the pothead, the dopey, who actually ate all that chocolate, whatever, under the bed, see all the diagrams and stuff. But Billy Club, to me, is a step up from Blood Junkie, and you guys went balls to the wall and made a brilliant fucking film that I absolutely is one of my favorites that I've seen this year. Man, thanks a lot, Scott. Yeah, that's awesome, awesome, man. Huge. Love the praise. But, yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of exactly what we set out to do. We said, okay, Blood Junkie was awesome. That was really fun. How do we step up our production value? How do we step up our game one or two notches in that level? How do we step up our cast and take ourselves a little bit more seriously, but still not, you know, still still not so serious that you can't have fun with it? And, right. Um, uh, so that was really what we did. And what we tried to do with that one a lot more is rather than in Blood Junkie where we honestly just sometimes just get in character and drive around trying to look for a scene we could shoot, like, let's come up with something. This one we did a lot more um, in the screenwriting process, just structuring everything and trying to give a lot of little layers to everything. We wrote it in a really specific way where um, you can watch it the first time and hopefully you'll, you'll kind of ride this one roller coaster through. And then when you watch it the second time, knowing how it all spins out at the end, you get a whole different film out of it, and there's all these other little things buried in that you probably didn't notice the first time that right. are layered in there, so that you know you can watch it again, and, you, and there's a little, there's a lot of little nods to the audience. Nick, now, I, you, you, Drew, you mentioned that there's a script, but I've noticed, Nick, you did do a little bit of improv on some of the scenes. I mean, some of the, did you not? Uh, yeah, we do a lot of improv. We okay, we cause... have a solid structure of what we'd like to get across, obviously, in the points and the dialogue, and we'll write some lines. And sometimes the lines work and sometimes they don't, and we usually try and fly through it as quick as we can because obviously you can't sit there all day. Um, and when I'm in the scene, you know, Drew's behind the camera, like, that doesn't work, that's not good, let's try this, or I'm like, what if we tried this? And we try and run through a bunch. So, yeah, we're always and, – and even the rest of the cast, like, we were trying to get – those guys, and some were better than others, and I think overall they were actually all really good because not everyone's yeah. used to doing improv. But yeah, I would throw them curveballs to each of them and see if 
you know, how they'd come back. A lot of these young filmmakers that I've noticed that, you know, the story writer does not want his words to be changed. So they have to shoot <laughs> the film exactly what he wrote. can take a lot longer to film because the words is the, does not feel right to the actor. It doesn't matter if you're Tom Cruise or whatever. The, 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 the actor has to be able to believe in the words that's written in order to, to perform them lines on screen. It's easier to be able to improv. Say, look, let's try this. And majority of the time, when you improv, it makes it natural and real. Do you know what I mean? It's true. You know, and that's one of the most common problems I find with indie films, student films, web series, whatever. You'll have stuff. Everyone can make a shot look really pretty these days. The cameras are great. But a lot of times the performances are just so line delivered. It's so distracting for me. Like, I can't handle it. So it's really for us... It's a combination of some scripted lines. Usually, I find, for whatever reason, I find that you got to make sure, even if you have scripted stuff, don't let your actors rehearse too much off camera. Just get them, like, don't let them do it. Like, get them on camera, start rolling, and then drop their first deliveries because a lot exactly. of times the second delivery is an echo of the first one and it's a little bit faker, and then it just goes down. It can spiral downhill from there really fast. Yes. So you want to yes. be able to, like... Set everything up, get it all set, hit record, and then try it. If it's not working for them, if the actor can't feel it, then you improvise some stuff. Find something that is working. How would you say it? How would you do that? Because for me, it's just a combination of improvising, working with the script, and then the editing. You really got to edit it and get those those correct deliveries, because otherwise your stuff's just going to sound just like bad student filmmaking, you know? You will get better shots, like you said, with natural delivery. In the long run, you probably get the film shot a lot faster if you try and freelance. And I've noticed that in, in Billy Club, Nick's character, you know, he's just uh, off the wall. He's nonchalant. He's not a care in the world. He likes to drink. He likes to have fun. And then you have one female in the group, and then you come to realize that there's a backstory. But the chemistry, I think, alone for Billy Club is the most impressive with the characters in the film. Because, but in Billy Club, as far as I know, from what I've seen, the cast had fun. Did you guys not have fun, Nick? Oh, yeah. To get- for sure. I mean, that's like Drew and I talked about this with, with Blood Junkie and going into Billy Club, and that's always our number one goal. It's a number one goal for cast, but it's also our number one goal for crew. Everyone's there. Everyone's working for free. Everyone on the entire set. And this is like mine and Drew's dream, right? So we get the final say. So if we're not making it fun for everyone, there's no reason for them to come back and show up. We're not, they're not getting anything out of this except for the experience. And so, we, I mean, we'd have several times guys in the crew would, like, at the end of the day would be like, you know, call me. I want in on the next shoot. Whatever day you guys are shooting, let me know. This was a blast. And then we looked at each other and we said, you know what, we're doing something right. If we got everyone wanting to come back. So, yeah, it was number one goal is always to have fun because we're not getting paid either. What's the point of doing all this if you're not having fun? Yeah, and you could get right. so bogged down. I mean, filmmaking, is, there's a, it's a huge process. You know, you're working on it. The writing process can take years. The shooting and the pre-production can take months. 
then you know you're editing for months and months and then you got to try and sell it it's like there's so much garbage work to do in filmmaking it's yeah. really important to take a step back a deep breath and remember why you're doing it to begin with cuz you're going to go through hours and hours and hours of time by the time you even find a deal for your film you're probably not going to make any money break even if you're lucky so it's not about cash. It can't be about cash. I think no. a lot of people get wrapped up in that. You okay. can, it just has to be about fun. And the great thing about it is if you're actually having a great time making it and the cast is having a good time and the crew and everyone's there and working longer hours and getting better material, that's going to show in your film. It's also interesting. We don't have a target audience or demographic. We are our own demographic. We're making what we want to make because we want to make it. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's like including like our cast and crew. If they like it and they're having fun, then it's a success. Because you're right. I've done films where I didn't get paid, but it's the experience that I like. You know, it's not always pleasure. I mean, it can be long hours. But at the end of the day, there's a product. There's experience. And then every time, the more experience you get, and the more fun it is. I mean, when you have a fun on set, it makes the actors that, oh, like you said, let me know when. I'll do it. Because it's fun. If you can make it fun. Do you guys want to tell the listeners who have not seen Billy Club, what is the storyline of Billy Club? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Billy Club is uh, basically a throwback horror comedy blend that follows four um, adult uh, friends that grew up together and played on a Little League baseball team together and have just um, reconnected. 15 years later, and are basically paying homage to some um, of their teammates that were killed 15 years ago in a tragic small-town accident in Wisconsin. And the film sort of unfolds from there as um, we find out that they're being stalked by um, a crazy masked killer, reminiscent of some of the classic 80s slasher films. Yes, love it. A baseball umpire's mask <laughs> as his mysterious uh, face cover and a crazy weapon that, you know, he constructs. So, um, yeah, and then it's just kind of, you know, it's pretty much classic slasher style. Um, we really love the, the old school version slashers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we you know, I think that a lot of people make throwback horror films. It's, it's one of those fun things to do. When you're working on a limited budget, because you know you get to, you get to kind of do everything in there. You get to have a little comedy, you get to have a little suspense, you get to have a little action, you get to have a little gore. You know, it gives you a chance to really, you know, throw a little bit of everything in the mix. You mentioned about I don't want to say too much because I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but the weapon of choice for the killer. Now, mind you, people, um, you have the Michael Myers, you have the Jason Voorhees, you have all these types of killers, but to see a killer in a catcher's getup and the weapon of choice, I think, is... Now, the baseball bat obviously has been used in other films, but what <laughs> what he does after the kill is, I think, is one of the most impressive uh, ideas for a killer in this film that really had me locked in when I seen that and I thought, bravo to you guys for the idea of even doing that because it it sets it apart from other slasher films. Yeah, we want to we want to have a couple other little 
levels to it, you know what I mean? Because it is, it is biting a lot of style off other movies, and a lot of it is direct referencing to other movies or, like, homage to films, but we want to add in our own little flavor on top of that. Yeah, I mean, you definitely grow up as kids watching those and thinking, man, wouldn't that be cool if I could make my own someday? And there are so many, and, you know, of course, we look to the classics, as you mentioned, and we want, you know, we wanted to make our own iconic killer, and so... Um, yeah, this was our version of that. And it was, a, you know, like the umpire's, antique umpire's mask. There's something about being in control of the game, which we always kind of thought was a nice metaphor as well. Um, but yeah, so this was our version. If you could, you know, have made yours as a child, what, what would you create that hasn't already been done? Right. And again, it's a great, great, great story. It's a fun film. You know, reviewers, uh, listeners, definitely look for this. And remember, go into it open-minded because you got to remember, uh, people who don't watch independent films are probably going to say, what is this? But give it a chance because, uh, like I said, it's one of the best films that I've seen this year. And, of course, it's only February the 2nd, but it's still one of, the, one of my favorites that I've reviewed this year. But it's a brilliant story. It's a brilliant idea. I love the cast. I love the the woods. I love the guy in the four-wheeler, all stoned out of his gourd. Uh, great job by the cast. Um, yeah, we had an awesome cast. And keep in mind, okay, we shot this whole film in Wisconsin. We both live in Los Angeles, but we're from Wisconsin. Um, and so we brought, we had to bring, like, a couple cast members over. So our two... Of our four leading cast uh, members, we got, well, Nick Summer playing Kyle Tripper, who's also co-directing with me. And then we have Marshall Caswell, who plays um, Bobby. And then we have have Aaron Hammond, plays uh, Allison. And then we have Max Williamson, who plays Danny. (laughs) uh, Max is from Milwaukee. He's like a friend of a friend that we found. We did actually a bunch of casting out of Milwaukee and using Craigslist and weird roundabout who knows an actor in town type scenarios and we got really lucky i think we completely dried up every potential yeah like worthwhile actor they have there and got him in this movie and casting the little kids was like pretty crazy too i mean just the way that that all worked out we got i mean i I guess you have to get pretty lucky when you're making these things as well one other person might be worth mentioning not that as many people know uh but uh mark metcalf was actually the crazy guy in our movie, and he's in other yep. movies such as Animal House, and I believe he's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's the maestro in Seinfeld, and so like he's a he was sort of like a Milwaukee came came out of Wisconsin Milwaukee legend that we kind of looked up to and were interested to get in our movie, and he was gracious enough to become a member of our cast. Yep, Matthew Dunlop as Devin. Uh, I mean, the cast yeah. goes on. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie. It's a fun film, so I was, like, blown away. I can say it again, and, and I want to have you guys come on here to talk about it because, uh, I mean, I would love to see this thing in a, in a red box, you know? Hey, man, we would, too. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, it's worthy of because <laughs> the red box, to me, I mean, some of the selections they have in red box blows me away that doesn't even belong in Redbox, but that's up to the well, you know, distributor and all that Redbox happy stuff. Redbox is really but. political, and the problem with Redbox, and we're trying to get in, we've been rejected by Redbox, but the problem is is that we're just one little horror film. It doesn't make financial sense for Redbox to, to bring on a single film, even if it has a sweet cover artwork, even if it has an awesome 
you know, performance or, you know, it's a good film given what it is. I think that Billy Club would get rented a lot just based on, like, the character and the cover. Yes. But they don't – the way that Redbox likes to work is they like to establish strong lines of films. So basically they want to sign with the distributor that's going to have a constant turnover of new material every two months. Do you know what I'm saying? So that they, yeah. they want to have someone that they make a larger deal for multi-years and then they meet every monthly delivery deadline – it's a lot easier for them because they have one account person that runs the whole thing rather than having needing account person just for a movie that's going to have one payout and one, you know what I mean. So it's a little bit trickier. But and everyone's going off of just a visual picture, right? So like Drew said, I think ours would actually do pretty well because we felt like our our cover art is actually pretty pretty great. But most of the movies I think people watch, or even that I do, I. I watch Redbox a lot, um, mm-hmm. is based on the actors that you see on the cover, right? And so that's one thing I think Redbox needs to be careful of because, I mean, I've been renting a lot of these movies based on, you know, some actors I like, and the movies are, some of them are pretty questionable, and I'm just like, after you miss so many in a row just because I'm trying to watch them based off of people I like, and then it turns out they just agreed to be in a movie, and the movie itself wasn't that great. Uh, you know, after a lot of that, I've been watching it l- a little less and less every time. So, before we end this, is there any new projects in the future that you guys are are thinking about doing? Yeah, we got lots going on. Um, I'm working on a handful of projects right now, but we're collaborating on a on a new project together, and um, it's this time we're we're going for a web series. So. Um, uh, taking a step away from the features and trying to do something that we can kind of crank out in episode by episode fashion. Um, right. You know, it works pretty good for our style because, like I said, a lot of our stuff is real run and gun. We steal shots, we steal locations, we get our friends to act and do all the crew work. So we're just sort of, it makes a lot more sense for us just to do it and throw it up online rather than wait for years and years to find sales agents, distributors, and somehow get it out on DVD. It just takes two years sometimes with that process before it gets into somebody's hands. So we want to just get it up there quicker. Um, so we're working on a web series right now, which is called Shangri-La. And um, we did a test shoot episode for it, like a five-minute test shoot. Turned out really good, sort of a short film on its own that we're basing this, this series off of. And oh, wow. this is not a horror project. It's just a straight sort of comedy, kind of an off- nice. offbeat comedy shot in L.A., um, and I don't want to give away too much about what it's about, but um, you can keep a, a lookout for that coming out. Um, it'll be on my website, and um, I'm sure we'll get it out on YouTube and stuff like that, too. So My site is cool. thesurgeryroom.com. And we're always writing stuff. I mean, we actually have a couple scripts on the back burner as well, comedy. I mean, a comedy version instead of uh, horror, because we are trying to get a little... I mean, everything we do is horror slash comedy, and we're, we're going to try and maybe eventually do just a straight comedy here and see... You know, see how it goes. Comedy is a tough genre to do successfully. So, like Drew said, right. we're kind of trying like shorter stuff to see how that goes and and uh, branch out from there. Uh, if anyone's interested, they can find info on our stuff at BillyClubMovie.com or Facebook.com backslash BillyClubMovie. And if uh, our movie avail- is available for purchase uh, at Amazon as of right now and it's streaming on other things too it's we're still trying to figure out the details exactly of where people can yeah, find it yeah it should be on or, Xbox VOD iTunes pretty much all over so again uh, thanks for coming on and I apologize for the cancellation but 
babysitting time. You know? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks for having us, Scott. Good talking to you. His directors, Drew Rosas and Nick Sommer. And Nick Sommer also is one of the characters in the film. He plays the character of Kyle Tripper. Thanks for coming on. You guys rock. Keep up the great work. And I'm, uh, I'm very, very excited for your for Billy Club, I think it's a big, big step up from Blood Junkie. Not that Blood Junkie wasn't good. It was. But this is a quite a big step up, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, bigger and better, always. Always. Well, thanks again for coming on. You guys take care, and uh, keep in touch. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. Take care. We'll see you.